Welcome to Everything Imaginable, the podcast for curious minds from KGRA Radio. And here is your host, Gary Cochileo. Welcome everyone to another episode of Everything Imaginable. I am your host, Gary Cacciolillo. And before we get started, I want to thank all my listeners for listening and also thank the contributors to my show, who are executive producers, Candace Sanderson, the author of The Reluctant Messenger, and Ms. Aida, psychic and author of Hoodoo Cleansing Protection Magic. Also, Damian Keller, author of Sounds Good, Sounds Right. Great, and monthly co-host Jared Murphy, author of It's Not Aliens, It's Worse, It's Us. If you are interested in becoming a contributor to this podcast, go to everythingimaginable2020.com and you'll find everything you need there. And now, without further ado, our guest for today is Meredith Heronbrook. Thank you for coming back on. Absolutely, Gary. Thank you for having me. Yeah. So, um, I was just checking out your website and watching some of your videos. Impressive. How do you like them? I have the website is actually amazing. Thank you. You are an amazing web creator, website master. Well, thank you. I did have a little help this spring. Um, we we judged a little bit made it a little bit more accessible for people, I think, and just guide them through the process a little bit better. But I'm really glad you like it. I think a lot of people are enjoying it. Yeah, um, it's very so, cool. Yeah, thank you. So I know I've talked to you before. Last time, you know, I covered pretty much everything that you do, which is quite a lot, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought I'd maybe to go a little bit of a different route this time. And, you know, um, Say I come, and my idea was like, say I come to you as a client, right? I, I, yes. I, I, I hit you up on your website, which is absolutely beautiful. And, and I say, look, I really need some help. And you're like, hey, well, sure. What's wrong? And I'm like, man, I've, my job sucks. My wife's pissed off at me all the time. I don't have any money. My car broke down. My dogs hate me. I'm ready to just call it all quit. I'm done. I'm over this life. Would you be able to help me? I believe I would if you wanted to have help. And the reason I say that is because there's a certain type of person who perhaps some part of themselves likes to be in the drama and likes to have the hardship because that has kind of become their identity for some people. Mm-hmm. But I would certainly, certainly always ask and try and help as much as I could for someone who is really wanting to make shifts and change and get unstuck mm-hmm. because they know that somehow there is something that they are just not understanding or grasping that is just stopping them from getting what they want. And if they're slightly open-minded and can kind of travel down, you know, the, the Alice in Wonderland hole a little bit, um, I can show them some pretty amazing things about themselves, how the world works, and where they can be in the future. Absolutely. All right. So let's say um, 
you know, 49% defiant, 51% I want out of this hole. Where am I going to start? Well, you really start with a very simple but very difficult question of what would you like? And I remember the first time I was asked that question when I was taking the NLP classes. And it really blew my mind that I really didn't know how to answer that question. And I was equally intrigued that I was so shocked that I hadn't really been asked that before. And so I kind of invite you and everyone who's listening to go, well, let's just look at that question of what would I like? If I could wave that magic wand and really create anything I wanted without any judgments or any rules, even of physics, right? Like, let's just take every single rule that imaginable off the table for a moment and then just ask the question, what would I like? And I think for a lot of people, it's such a hard question because we've grown up with so many rules and learning how to survive and dealing with traumas or triggers, however big or small. And, you know, it's, it's, we don't really often give ourselves time or space to really dream anymore. You know, we're kind of on the reactive mode, exhausted mode, just trying to deal mode. And it's a cool way to be able to start asking by asking the question, what would you like? Now, why is this question so important is because our brain is really good at trying to solve problems, kind of creates problems too. But for now, we're going to go into like how well it problem solves. And the thing now is that we have to give the brain something to do. And we have to kind of formulate it in, in kind of parameters that, so you can search for it. It's almost like Google, right? You're going to, you're going to be in the search bar and you can ask it, you know, a million questions, but as we've learned over time, the better the question or the better the formulation, the better the search is, right? Right. And so that's what we're starting to do with NLP is we start asking the questions to help you figure out what you want, how you want it, why you want it. And then all the ways that, you know, that you have already created in your brain and in your past that stops you from getting what you want. And so the more questions we start to ask, we can help the brain and help your system to figure it out itself, how to navigate forward, let go of the past, let go of all the things that stops you and catapult you into really being able to finally focus more completely on what you want, rather than trying to navigate how to survive all the stuff that you don't want. I can see that though being a tough question for people to try to get past, especially when you're in that hopeless state. You know, when, when a person's feeling hopeless, sometimes like all they really want is to survive. And they're doing that probably, you know, they're just surviving on a bare minimum. Um, maybe a lot of times what lands people in that state is the simple fact that they don't know what they want. They might not know what they want because perhaps they've been told not to dream. They've been having too many experiences 
where their dreams have been crushed and they go, I don't want to try again. I'm afraid to try again. Will it be different this time? And those are all really valid feelings and questions. Um, and, and I can really relate to that um, just from my own experiences. But what got me through it was finally, there was kind of a moment in my 20s where I just kind of challenged my own feelings and thoughts. And I go, all right, I'm feeling that I'm at the whim of things. I'm feeling that I'm just a victim of something. <coughs> how is that, like, is that really possible? Right, I really had to do some deep thinking. And when I started to finally challenge that and go, but what if I thought this way? And I tried kind of acting out the, the results of that thinking. Well, then the world was starting to show me something different. And I go, well, wait a minute. And, and it, it started to kind of plant the seed of maybe I was a co-creator. Maybe somehow I had something to do with my life, right? That maybe. I wasn't just showing up. <laughs> and I was like, well, oh, well, that's cool. But then on the other hand, it was really scary because I'm like, well, then what have I been doing my whole life? Why is it nobody ever told me how this works before? But again, NLP is new. Um, you know, was developed and, and kind of created in the sixties and stuff, but, but here we are now, you know? And so, yes, if you're hopeless, feeling hopeless, worried that you just kind of can't get out of it. Well, I would almost challenge go, well, have you gotten out of other problems before? Most likely, cause here you are now. Have you been able to still get up out of bed even though you're feeling not so awesome or stressed or depressed because you know that there's that one thing that you have to do or else, right? And, and we butt our heads up against the or else. And so that's like the very low point is the or else, right? And we're in that reactive, depressed, sad mode and just go, this sucks. I'm going to be really honest. Like this sucks. I don't like anything about what I'm doing. I don't like anything about where I am and so forth. And that may very well be true for this moment, but I'll guarantee you, I will guarantee you this, um, that the second you start to be able to imagine the possibility that you're a little bit more powerful than you think, and that you might be helping to create your reality or that you are actually the full instigator of your reality. But you didn't previously know all the other things that you have been telling yourself for your whole lifetime in effort to survive something that happened long ago. Now, I want to explain that a little bit. When we are growing up, we're developing zero to three months, zero to six months, and up through the age of three, all those experiences get filed away in our brains, in our systems, you know, kinesthetically, mind-body connection and all of that, such that about 80% of what we believe about ourselves and the world is installed by the age of three. And all the other experiences and all the other things in the future beyond that date of around three years old are replays new actors, new people, new circumstances, but what you survive, you recreate because we survived it. So why keep filing away new things if something already worked, right? That's exhausting to constantly be newing, 
learning new things. So we kind of replay, we pull out of the playbook, hey, this, this experience looks similar. Uh, I know how to do that. And then you, you know, you pull it out and you do it. But the thing is, we get older and wiser and so forth. However, we don't consciously until now through NLP and these other ways that we'll get into later that I help with, unless we consciously kind of let go of what stops us, we're going to keep redoing it because we survived it. It's like pulling out the ace in poker and you go, gotcha. It's like, if you always have the same ace, then you know, you're always going to win. But what if you want to play a new poker game? What if, you know, you, what if you want to change the circumstances where you don't lose your job all the time, where you don't have to feel that you have to run away from a situation relationship or otherwise, right? So that's kind of how the brain works is what we survive, we recreate. So let's look into what we're surviving or what we're still surviving from the past and look at that and, and, and bring it up into consciousness, if you will, and like analyze it and then go, well, do we have to have that anymore? There'd be millions of, you know, a lot more questions than just that one, but it's like, what's the structure that's really holding these things together? How am I creating my experience? So anyone who can dare to imagine that maybe they can co-create their world is ahead of the game. And now I just have to figure out how to do it. And which is, <laughs> which is amazing and awesome because although the first step might be scary, the next steps will go, well, this is freaking cool. You know, it's kind of like baby steps. And then you go, but if I can do this, what else can I do? And that's why this work is so exciting because it gets you through that bridge and beyond into more possibility. And when you can do possibility, then, you know, the world's your oyster. Ah. So when, a per when you ask a person, what is it you want? There's no answer that's too big and too outrageous. I haven't currently experienced anything uh, yet that is insurmountable. No. And I'll tell you why. One of the reasons is, is because whatever the person answers or doesn't answer is giving me information into their current experience, right? If they kind of close up, they want to cry. If they look a certain location in the room, all of that's giving me information as to what is stuck and where and how it's being stuck in general. So then that can lead me to better questions as to maybe why they can't answer that first question. So it's all useful information. And so NLP doesn't just ask questions, but we look at the physiology of the person and we can use what's called eye accesses is like when we're talking, we're looking around the room, we're looking down or up or to the side. And we tend to, as humans, hold information in certain locations. Now, we don't know what, as a facilitator, we don't know what that information is. But if we hold that person's gaze in that location where they keep looking at, they go, what's going on for you when you're looking there? You know, and sometimes they get, oh, nothing. It's just a wall. I'm just, I'm not looking at anything. I'm just, I'm just staring. And then 99.9% .9 of the time, about three and a half seconds later, they'll go, 
you know, it's the craziest thing, but I just, I kind of remember something from childhood or I remember a story or I remember something that my dad used to say, you go, huh, I wonder why. And so there's this connection from between our eyes and our brains, right? I think, what is it, 80 or 90% of the information we receive into our bodies is actually captured through our eyes. It's a really big um, ratio. And so wherever we're kind of looking, it's kind of connecting to the, the little um, memory file somewhere in your brain. So if you're looking somewhere specific, it's connecting with that memory or that input. Okay, so if you hold someone's gaze there, that'll be able to give you some really important information as to why they're staying stuck. And then we go through there and ask more questions and uncover the whole structure of how you're currently creating your experience. Does that make sense? You look into their eyes like Dracula. I suppose so. Dracula is a slightly menacing creature. I think I'd like to have a little bit more rapport than that. But, uh, you know, I like a good vampire story, I suppose. <laughs> but but you're, you're saying like you can kind of tell a little bit by people's body language, where they're looking. Um, I imagine you can also tell a little bit by the tone of their voice, facial expressions. Um, Absolutely. Hand gestures, you know, whether they're, you know, posture, things like that. Yes, yes. And, and the other thing, too, that is really important for us to do as facilitators is to help make the space really safe for that person, whether they're in PTSD or have a big phobia or a small phobia. Whatever it is, it doesn't necessarily matter as far as you know what the item is that stops them but what's also very important for a successful uh, facilitator is to really build as much rapport so the person feels safe mm -hmm. sharing this and being able to access things that maybe they've done a really good job covering up for the last 40 50 70 years you know like it stayed stuck there for a long time for a very good reason and we have to honor that experience. We have to give credence to it. And the it's very important for a facilitator, anyone in this line of work in healing arts, um, whether you're a therapist or EMDR or whatever, you have to build that rapport to, to allow that person to finally feel safe to be able to look at those things. And, and I will add that if they are very afraid of looking at it or, or sensing it or experiencing it, we have a lot of tools to be able to kind of turn it down such that you can get a slight impression for half a second and then jump back out of the experience so you're not re-traumatized. Um, so, I've heard of some... Yeah, go ahead. Uh, uh, so, so like if somebody experienced something like really tra traumatic, like say they grew up in a household where they're like, you know... Mm -hmm beaten by their parents and lit on fire and stuff like that. Right. I, I mean, I mean, absolutely you know. horrific. Yeah. We, what we do is, um, we kind of do, I don't know if it's quite the right term, but we not disassociate, but what we do is we shift the perspective such that you have a bunch of filters between you and the 
the memory of the experience. And I say memory of the experience is kind of correct, but if you're experiencing it now, like as a memory, you go, well, I'm remembering it. In a way, it's not quite true because you're actually reliving that experience. If you are thinking of it in your brain, your brain is telling your whole body how to act, how to think, and how to feel, right? As a physical response. So if you're watching, like say, imagine you're watching a movie, even though you say, I've seen it a million times, you can still have that visceral reaction in your body. Mm -hmm. But if it's too much, let's go, all right, well, let's step out of that first person who's watching this video or this, this memory on screen. And then we're going to pop you out to another version of you back in the, in the back of the, the theater. And then maybe we'll put you back in, you know, and then we'll have that person pop out into um, the person in the projector room. And so then we go, okay, let's have you looking down to the person in the back row, looking to the person in the front row, then looking at, to, at that movie. And then if even that is still too much, we go, okay, let's make the picture fuzzy. Let's make it grainy. Let's turn down the volume. You know, let's look at it through three inches of plexi. Are you feeling safe now? You know, and so we, there are a lot of tools to be able to still access what needs to be accessed without re-traumatizing. Like, what's the point of that? That's, I mean, <laughs> therapy is supposed to be helpful, mm. um, not have you go home crying into your pillow. Like, that's that's not the point of it. But that's, that's what I think is really useful for um, that NLP offers. I don't know what other therapies are that do that, but I've found that to be really useful. So you can still stay in your body. You can still stay present and okay while still being able to go through the NLP experience and then uncover what keeps you stuck and then offer new solutions to your body that you would rather have. So it's, we're kind of building a bridge. We're kind of figuring out what the map is on one hand on how you're creating your experience. And we go, okay, so what you'd like is to be over here, which sounds amazing because you'll be thinking and feeling and doing these things. Am I right? Yes. Okay, great. And so, you know, we'll kind of test drive it for a bit and then we'll go, all right, well, what stops you from that? What stops you from having that? And then they'll look, they'll, they'll look, they'll ping something. Okay, so what stops you? And then we get into that. And then we start to kind of uncover what stops you. And then we go, all right, well, how, what the facilitator does is we go, all right, well, how do we bridge the old experiences that are keeping you safe and alive over here, but you're not really loving anymore? And how do we bridge you to this new experience? which we know you can have, but, you know, so forth and so on. So we offer kind of new uh, solutions. We offer um, better offers to go, well, you're afraid of spiders when you were three. And that one spider was, you know, maybe it was a tarantula, let's just say. You go, well, also, you know, and you offer new ideas of like, well, are all spiders going to kill you? Are all spiders one foot wide? Well, no. Okay. Well, were your parents afraid of the spider? Well, no. Oh, okay. And so one thing that's really important here to say is that when a person has a trigger, a phobic, a PTSD response, however big or small, and it doesn't matter, they're all important and equally valid. 
What's, what happens though is when a person survives something, what the brain kind of tends to do is make a blanket statement. So if you got bitten by a spider or the spider ran over your toe and you're freaking out, you're like, oh my God, you know, and, and, and you're having this issue and you go, well, I survived that. Part of you is like, well, if I believe that all spiders are horrible, then I'll be safe. So we create a blanket statement to apply for the future. And we do that in all sorts of circumstances. So if you got burned in one relationship, even as a child, you know, maybe your, your mother was, was not very loving, or maybe your father was distant. Well, then you might somehow create a belief. Well, then all people, you know, I should be alone from all people because et cetera, et cetera. And so we create blanket statements. And so what we do is we kind of challenge those statements very gently to go, well, are all spiders bad? Are all spiders scary? And then we start to narrow it down and then offer new um, new ideas to the system. Then then this the creative brain starts to you know calm down. And so we're not in that fight or flight response anymore. And we'll go, great, only necessary when it's necessary, when there truly is a big fat spider, of course, have a, a strong response. But do we, you know, but do we need to apply that all the time such that you're constantly triggered? over everything and then hopefully by that point you'll go no that's ridiculous i'm totally good with that and so what our, the brain is doing is it's learning and it's and it's kind of shifting the tracks into creating new synapses because now it feels safe to do it we have offered enough positive things and examples of you know and kind of paring the whole situation down all we're doing is updating it and if we don't offer the, the right solution, then you're going to ping it and you're going to go, no, nope, that doesn't work. And then we offer, we try and figure out what the good offer is that works for you. And then your brain will subconsciously shift its track. So it no longer needs to feel the need to be triggered. Does that make sense? It does. Um, does that mean like the idea of like facing your fear is wrong? Like say example, for example, a person is afraid of heights. So the way to overcome it is to go bungee jumping or something. Sure. Yeah, don't just face your fear. I think <clears throat> for some people, I suppose you can do that, right? Face your fears. Do you, you know, bungee jump, you're standing on the cliff, you're looking over, you're like, I'm afraid of heights. I'm totally horrified. And yes, I'm, and someone's going to push you over the edge because you can't jump yourself. Okay, first of all, that's going to freak the system out because you're not giving credence or you're not honoring that there's some part of you that has a very good reason for having that fear. You just may not consciously know what that is, right? So maybe your parent told you when you're little, you know, maybe you're three years old and you're standing on top of a table and I don't know, there were knives and forks beneath and they knew that that was going to be a very bad fall if you fell and they say don't jump you're going to get hurt right well then the kid goes well i don't want to make my parents stressed and i don't know any better so i i have to listen to them they've led me pretty well so far okay and so then we go all right well if this and then again we create a blanket statement somehow 
So, and so then we apply that, right? Because when we're little, we don't want to ever make our parents wrong because they're our caregivers. And if they're wrong in one area, then what does that mean if they're, I mean, they could open Pandora's box. For wrong everywhere. Be, well, what if they're wrong over here? What if they totally made the wrong decision over here? So kids kind of have to have suspended belief, you know, that basically their parents are right over a majority of things, even though we don't like it, we just kind of have to fall in line until we're old enough as a teenager, we can care for ourselves more and we challenge that in a more mature way. And we take stock into, well, do I really have to believe that anymore? Was that really, is that really useful to have that as a rule anymore? But we can't make our, our parents wrong. So if you're going to have this, I'm going to face my fears and jump off this cliff. Well, you're kind of creating yourself to be at odds, right? You're challenging this. My parents told me to be afraid of heights in whatever way it was. And I created this blanket statement. This is all, of course, unconscious. And now I'm going to jump off this and challenge everything that has kept me alive and safe up to this point. So you're freaking yourself out. But what if you just have an NLP session, get over your phobia in about an hour and then go bungee jump. Cause then it would actually be fun and you'd feel like it was money well spent, you know, and you could actually have the thrill that it's supposed to have. Hmm. So I'm not a fan of just like facing your fears and just making yourself do it. I, I think that just re-traumatizes you. I, I don't think that's really helpful. <laughs> do, do you think that, I mean, my, my estimation would be that um, 90% of the people who feel stuck, it's, it is because of fear. Sure. Yeah. All we have in life is love and fear, right? We do things out of love, like pure you know, agape love, not, not the clinging love. Um, but you, it's every decision we make is out of love or fear. And I think just mammals are kind of geared to survive something. You know, if, if, if you um, survive a, a near-death experience, then cool. And you're always kind of relating to the don't die scenario rather than the let's live scenario. Let's live and be happy and so forth and so on. And we kind of operate with, well, let's try the best we can. And 10, you know, maybe a thousand times it won't work in all these iterations. And then 10,001, you go, oh, finally, now I get it. But you have to kind of hit all the things that don't work first. Um, you know, it's, it's like in school, they give you the textbooks and they say, read this. And they always have, um, you know, questions that are directly related, related to the textbooks, right? It's no new information. And if you read it absolutely perfectly, then you're going to get a hundred percent. But if you fail the test and you get, you know, 65%, well, you're going to then study harder. It's that failure, that hitting that, oh my gosh, that didn't work. Somehow that kind of gets into our brain a little bit more deeply than always succeeding. I don't quite know why or how that works, but that's just, that's been my experience. How about mm. you? Um, I don't know. Uh, I've never really, 
I mean, just personally, I've never really been a person that really um, struggled a lot, you know? Mm. So, like, if I want something, I just do the work to get it. And if I feel fear, well, actually, I don't really feel fear anymore. We've kind of had that conversation. <laughs> yes, but, but yes. I, I have this sort of, like, unnatural thing that I don't. But, um, so I don't know. <laughs> You know, it's, it's interesting. You know, that's why I kind of went with the hypothetical scenario. Because if we go with my personal scenario, it's, it's, it's going to be just, it doesn't make sense. Because <laughs> 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 I don't really make any sense. <laughs> oh, no, you do make sense. I mean, everyone, every every system, I have to say, does make sense, you know. And, and I would definitely get to to the root of that the longer we talk on, you know, how you're creating a world. But what's what... I mean, the, the first thing you said was, well, I just go and work. I just do it. Yeah. And, 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 and I think if I may say you take that a little bit for granted because you haven't perhaps had the struggles the way some people have where they might not believe that they can do it. You know, your brain is already geared for going, all right, well, if I really want it, then I'll somehow figure out a way to do it. Even if I don't know how to do it, I'll ask the questions. I'll go to the right people. I'll figure it out. But there's nothing that seems to be stopping you from, oh, it's too much money or, oh, it's too hard or, oh, it'll take too long. You're like, I'll just do it. Mm -hmm. And so you're already geared for the let's go, which is fantastic. Um, You know, a great scenario or a great image uh, that I find really useful is you imagine a teeter-totter, right? You have the, the fulcrum, the, little, the, the middle part that balances the whole platform um, in the middle. And so if you imagine the question, what would you like? And you wrote down on one side all the yeses, all the reasons why that would be awesome, right? And then you write down all that stops you, all the no's on the other side, right? If there are more no's that kind of, or that weigh a lot more, then of course the no's are gonna, you know, are gonna push the teeter-totter down to the no side. And you're not going to necessarily get what you want because there are too many objections in your body. There are too many objections, fears, judgments, wanting to keep parents happy from long ago and far away, whatever it is, whatever it is. And then you won't get it. But if what NLP does is we go, okay, let's look at all the no's. Let's look at all the yeses and let's let go of the no's and we'll work on those. And then he'll go, great. I don't need mm-hmm. those no's anymore. And you throw them out. And then what happens? Well, then the no's get lighter and lighter and lighter. And then the yeses, of course, gain greater weight until your brain goes, great, let's go. There is nothing that stops me. There is not enough that stops me anymore to want to achieve and actually create the actions and behaviors and the thoughts and feelings and align them all to just get it done. I'm going to assume, though, in most cases, people are always going to have more yeses than no's. When we're starting or at the end? I'll say even when, at the beginning. I, I, I think a lot of times when people are stuck, it, it's just because of one or two things that are went wrong in their life. And there's a whole bunch of reasons why you want your life to go good. There's always going to be more reasons why you want your life to be good, better or have what you want, then there are going to be reasons to to, um, be blocked. Well, you might be surprised, but here's the thing. If 
you didn't have many no's, then why don't you have what you want already? And that's maybe the maybe of it. maybe that one those one no's are yeah people just no pe- 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 people are, people are just believing they're, ble- they're putting too much weight on that no they're making they the no do. way too much <laughs> they do they do but imagine a little child who had to survive something really big or you know I mean I just imagine PTSD which uh, encompasses uh, experiences way beyond war uh, it's People who were molested, they were raped, they were, you know, maybe their fire, uh, their house burned down in a fire and they, you know, had to go into foster care for three years or, you know, or, or whatever it is where it was so traumatic, it was maybe one event, so to speak, but it created such a ripple in their world that they just go, man, that was just so brutal. I cannot experience that again you know and and they just they create their world to keep surviving that old stuff so yes it may be just one or two no's but they are big and they kind of um they kind of uh snake through our whole experience and hide in so many different ways that we just don't realize it you know so so the main thing is if we knew what stopped us and we could push past it ourselves, we would probably have done it already. And so I'm here, you know, as an NLP practitioner to help people uncover what stops them. And so then they can just navigate the rest themselves. So I kind of, I help build that bridge and I help them, you know, go across to the other side much more easily um, so they can have what they want. And then, and that's all I want for, for my clients and for people is to get them out of their own way and you know and also honor that the experience that they have created themselves here's what i want to get to is i don't want people to judge themselves for being where they are because um it did get them to where they are it might not be perfect but but like it did get you to a survival place of here you are here and now you know, and, and it could be worse. It could be way worse. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, you could be on the corner, you know, banging your head against the wall for five hours a day. If you're still you know alive, I mean? you've made some right decisions. Absolutely. There are tons of right decisions. I'm sure you could, if you thought about it, write 10 right now. If I get up in the morning, I pay my bills. I, you know, I kind of go to work or I do these things. I'm caring for people. I, you know, all these things. We don't give ourselves enough credit. We judge ourselves so harshly. And if we could just go, all right, I'm here now. Let's not judge ourselves any further, but let's just kind of look towards the future. What do I want? Can I have it? What stops me? And this is where I can kind of help you guys along. Um, And, you know, it's like there's so much change work that's done in the first session. It's amazing. Um, but anyway, that's just kind of how I operate is we have a nice conversation and we, we, yeah, see where you are and where you want to go and let's help you get there. Does the NLP part of it, is that like hypnotism? Um, not necessarily. Um, we don't hypnotize. What we do is offer rapport to help calm the critter brain who's been held tight and stressed 
uh, and scared and whatever for so long. And once we start to relieve some of that pressure a little bit, then we offer, we, you know, as I said, we kind of figure out where you are, where do you want to be? And we have basically a nice conversation. Um, hypnotism is actually used in other parts of my work, which is um, HUNA work, which we can get into later. Um, but NLP does not do uh, hypnotism. It's fully conscious, awake work. Does a person need to have goals? Yes, you do. Everyone needs a goal, however small it is. Whether it's, I just want to be able to get up out of bed in the morning and maybe have a smile on my face. You know, maybe not feel so depressed. Um, it doesn't have to be a big goal to be important. Mm -hmm. Right? Everyone has their own path to walk. And I don't think any goal, how big or small, is any less valid or important to that person. So yes, you need a goal because if you don't have desire, if you don't have a wish, then your body is going to go, well, why am I doing it? We need that reward. Mm -hmm. We operate on reward system. And so if we don't get a reward somehow, then our bodies are going to go, well, why do it? What's going to get me up in the morning and, and doing that? That's why we have to have passion and desire. And if we don't have that and we go, the world sucks, I don't deserve it. I don't want it. Mm -hmm. I want to be isolated. I want to be scared and safe from everything. And I'm going to live in the hills by myself. Great. Good for you. And I think that's amazing. If that's what your true goal is, then fantastic. Um, I would never want to stop you. Right. But if you're going, I am going to not have goals because I basically got burned because I just really got hurt. That's a different conversation. And that's, that's more of a reactive mindset which i go well do you really want to live that way is that really where you want to go you know that's that's a I, protective mechanisms that i see mm -hmm. and and if in um but if you secretly do want to get somewhere or have something or be something um that you don't feel you are then you know then let's talk about why you're not and how you're not um having that experience so do we have to train our minds almost like the same way we'd have to like train a puppy? Mm, not quite the same way because training a puppy is, if you imagine, to get the, the puppy to sit, let's say, you have to show them reward. I guess in a way it is similar, but it, but the work that I do is a lot more subconscious work, like at the end of the session, and I'll get to that. On the very basic level, yes, in the way it's like training a puppy, we go, what's the reward? Is this reward really what you want? Right? Because the puppy is going mm -hmm. to really, if it's a juicy steak or cheese, and they smell and they go, oh, I will do anything that you want, right? But if you give them, I don't know, um, grass, and you like grass, or you like, you know, you like eating a, a, a vegan steak and you go, great, I like this. And the puppy goes, that has no interest for me whatsoever. <laughs> you trying to train that puppy to sit is going to be much harder, right? Right. So the reward always has to be in accordance with the puppy, with the client, um, with whoever it is, anyone in the world. 
What is the reward? What do you want? What will make you get up in the morning and keep going after it? Okay. So we establish what would you like? What is that reward? Because how do we want to feel? We want to feel happy. We want to feel safe and we want to feel loved. Everything we do goes according to that. Nothing else. I think most people just want money. I think a lot of people think if they have money, that they can have all the other things. To have what? So money gets you something. Money, 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 gets, money, money can get you the happiness, the love, all that. Maybe. I mean, I don't, I mean I, don't, I don't believe that personally, but, you know, I think there are... I mean, I've run into it like at least a lot at work and outside. People always will say like, oh, if I had a little bit more money. <laughs> sure. You know. Sure. Um, the whole money thing, that's a, that's a tough one because ultimately we want my understanding and belief is we want money so we can do things or have things. Okay. Mm -hmm. Maybe some people feel that they'll, they have enough money. The thing is, enough means a different thing to a different person. Maybe enough money to me is a certain dollar amount, and enough money to you means something different. So what does enough mean? Okay, and so then let's explore that. And then it's enough money for what? What would having that money do for you? Okay, well, I'd have a car. Great, so why do you want the car? What will having that car do for you? Well, you know, maybe it's just a reliability thing, right? I want to be able to drive to work. Maybe I want to, you know, be able to, you know, go travel or whatever it is, right? It's a means to something else, okay? The money is a means to something, to something, to something, to what? Happiness, safety, security, love. Maybe it's, I want to have enough money to travel so then I can connect more with my spouse or more with my kids, or more with my family. Money itself is not the end-all be-all. That's just vanity. Right. But if money, as I have always learned, it's a tool to get you something. But ultimately, when you chase that, that little rabbit down the road, it's going to lead you to safety, security, and happiness. And if you think it's really anything else, you'd be probably lying. But even if you say so, then I can feel um, equal to my friends. Okay, well, do your friends really care what you think, you know, or, or what you have? Do you think that's why they're your friends is because you have a fancy car? Well, maybe you should get some new friends, you know what I mean? You know, so it's like, well, let's analyze what's really important here. Let's look at what's really going on. And is that really what you want? And 99.9% .9 of the time, it's something else. It's something a little deeper that's really important, that's really um, valid and itching, you know, that's trying to get out. So, so in a way, those people, they're not answering that question honestly about what they want. No, I think... Or, or at least no, they're, or, or they're not able to see yet what they want. No, I mean, it's hard to ask yourself deep, hard questions. Do you really want to look deep and dark and, and maybe find some uncomfortable answers? No. <laughs> we don't want to look there. That's scary. We don't want to be kind of the bad guy or go, wow, I misjudged that. Occasionally we'll do that, but I don't know how many people will really 
look at that until it's bad enough, whatever that bad enough is, right? And so I became kind of the, the searcher for things because for me, my life was bad enough in certain ways where I go, this sucks. I don't like this. How am I here? And so I started to ask the uncomfortable questions, but you know, still you get to a point where someone else needs to ask them for you and you need to look in the mirror and go, what am I really doing this for? Mm -hmm. You know, and, and then maybe your values will actually shift a little bit. Who knows? Right. Interesting. So once the person's decided what they, it is that they want and they're willing to face the obstacles, what comes next? Well, what we do is we look at the obstacles as we see them currently. And we go, well, are they obstacles? Can we make them smaller? Can we put them in the past? Can we honor them and forgive them? Can we, you know, can we shift what we pre previously believed about this obstacle? Right? Because a lot of this stuff that we put in front of ourselves as obstacles, we put them there. Not everyone has the same obstacles, right? So it's not like an immovable force. So we have to kind of analyze how is this obstacle here? Why did I put it here? And what do I need to believe now? And how can I grow beyond this such that I don't need this obstacle to be here anymore? So we're doing a lot of internal maneuvers of consciousness. We're, we're doing all this little internal dance, right? It's right. only according to you, only according to how you feel safe and how you see the world and how you want to see the world, okay? Though, of course, I will never allow you to leave my office or Zoom meeting believing that the devil is amazing and wonderful and that you're going to do all these horrible things. Okay, no. So this is all for the greater good of yourself, the greater good of, of your family, and we're going to honestly go for the positive trajectory. Mm -hmm. so this is really what your soul wants. This is how you really in your heart of hearts wants, because if you ultimately don't really want that, you're never going to go after it, Right. Like imagine you had three cars on a parking on a car lot, and there was one that you really, 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 really wanted. It was just perfect. And it was the right color, had all the details and everything else, but maybe it was just outside your price range. Then you had this other, you know, the other two cars were cool. And they were in the price range, and but they just didn't ring your bell. Would you get up in the morning and work a little harder or a little longer or get an extra job or do whatever it was or spend less, right? That's always an option. Mm -hmm. Reconfigure your budget to make that happen. Well, I've been in this situation. Okay. How did it go? I, I just bought the car I wanted anyway, even though I couldn't afford it. And did it work out? Yeah. I still have it. Yeah. You made it work. Yeah. Right? Once I had the core, I'm like, man, I'm not getting rid of this. <laughs> I'm just going so I'm, much joy. And I'm just going to do right? what it takes. Right. Right. What I love about talking with you is you just, you, your clarity is just right there. You're like, I'm just going to do it. There's, why not? I can do it. And, and even uh, if I couldn't, like, what's the worst that's going to happen? I'm going to lose the car. There you and go. I get another car. I mean, it's, it's still not a big deal. Right. <laughs> 
right. I mean, obviously don't buy a $500,000 car if you can only afford, you know, $500 payments, but right within reason, we're, of course, we're talking, but yeah, the thing is, why live life if it is not ringing your bell and giving you great rewards, whatever that is, if you mm -hmm. want a homestead, you want to live in a $5,000, you know, property, I don't care. If you want to live in a hut on a beach somewhere, fantastic. Whatever rings your bell, why shouldn't you be able to have it? Why shouldn't you? Right. Who is telling you to not have that? That's the question. Ultimately, it's you telling you not to have it for whatever good reasons from long ago and far away that are still operating. They're old systems operating. And if you are tired of it, then let's look at it and then move through it and get your, you know, hut on the beach. Go for it. But if you're living in purgatory and just lamenting every day mm -hmm. and just going, ah, I wish I could have this, but life is too short. And no one can tell you how to live your life. No one should tell you how to live your life. And, um, but why shouldn't you be able to go after what you want? There's nothing that stops you but yourself. Right. Nothing. Right. I mean, the worst thing that can happen is you don't get what you want. Right. But what an adventure if, you know, if you At least try. you try. I mean, yeah. You're not going to know unless you don't you try. try. Exactly. But you if know. you keep having, you know, the triggers and the, and the loops and the, I keep getting so close, but then it gets all washed away. You know, those are the things that I think people need to really start looking at. Uh, how is it that I keep just not getting what I want? You know, mm -hmm. like the rug keeps getting pulled out under me. You know, this starts to happen and this starts to happen. And that's where we kind of get into the other things that I do, which is family soul constellations and Huna work, which is kind of a little bit more of the, family soul dynamics that are things that are swept under the rug not resolved from generations past that we grab onto unknowingly unwittingly uh, but it's an energetic thing that we do and we kind of in effort to say i love you and fix those old problems we take all that energy on for ourselves so sometimes we do that self-sabotage without knowing and sometimes it has to do with kind of old stuck family dynamics, which is a very interesting avenue of, of research and experience. Can some of it be from past lives? Yes, it can. Yes. Um, and uh, definitely. It's, uh, our souls travel, for lack of better word, or be lack of it can be so complicated because I'm kind of learning that there's time may not actually exist as we think it does. It doesn't exist. Linear. Ultimately, I agree with you. It's not linear. It's a useful tool. Um, but in essence, I have learned that time doesn't exist. Right. And once I experienced that, I was like, what? This is the trippiest feeling I've ever had. Um, but if you have that time doesn't exist and we are souls, quote, traveling, that maybe it's just our perspective shifts. But we are having, quote, for lack of better phrasing and for ease of conversation, let's say our soul travels through time, through experiences. And 
Um, as we go through these experiences, we take on belief systems, we take on traumas, and if we don't, and we take on energies from other people and places and things, um, that sometimes when we don't clear that, we're not trained in this society to clear this stuff, um, but non-Western civilizations, some of them actually do very regularly. Um, but when you're not kind of clearing out your soul, all these little dust bunnies, if you will, all these energetic attachments flow with you and all that baggage um, kind of imprints on your experience, um, can imprint your dreams, uh, like quite literally imprint your memories and thoughts and feelings and so forth and so on. Uh, it's almost like a virus kind of giving information to your DNA, right? Um, telling your gut what to do and so forth and so on. Uh, it's kind of like that. So once you start to acknowledge and learn all that's attached to you and all the energies that you're taking on, once you start to clear those out, then you go, wow, I didn't realize that there was all this extra stuff piled onto my shoulders, onto my experience. And then once you kind of come out of the car wash, if you will, you're squeaky clean, you're all shiny, you just go, I had no idea. And now you can have just one voice in your head, one experience, one thought at a time. And to be able to move throughout your life a lot more simply and a lot more joyfully, you know, just imagine being mm -hmm. bogged down with all those old things. It so, takes a lot of energy. So what are some of the good, best, some of the methods that you use for that type of clearing? Do you use things like like um, energy healing or meditation, anything like that? Uh, let's see. What I do is a few different things. Uh, with my clients, um, I do an energetic clearing between the first and second session, and I write up a report uh, on uh, how many energetic attachments you have, how many earthbounds you have, um, soul fragments and curses and hexes and all these sorts of things. And so you can just have your own personal experience. Um, imagine you trying to shift your experience, but all the other parts of you, all these other attachments are kind of saying, no, I like the status quo. It'll be so much harder, if not impossible to make the next shift. Right? Mm -hmm. So I do an energetic clearing and I use Hawaiian spiritual based healing primarily for that. And that's, uh, and I use Ho'oponopono and some other prayers and some other things to clear uh, someone's experience. And I kind of use a little bit of family soul constellation format as well uh, in that. And such that I'll step into the person's, the client's experience and I'll see kind of what they're experiencing. And then I'll step into the entities and so forth and see why they're there how they're there and how what we can do to clear it. Where do these entities? There for a reason? Where do they come from? How did he get there? And where, and where did he go when he get rid of them? Like, are, did he die? Like, or is there a way to, you know, give him a, a a new happy life to do something else? Yeah, I always give them a new happy life to wherever they need to go. So if it was an earthbound, meaning someone who is not passed over from a previous life and they've stayed here for whatever reason shame guilt anger sadness um wanting to never leave a house because they love the house so much or they just want to care 
for their kids that are still here. I mean, there's a million reasons, but whatever the reason is, I'll help them kind of understand that it's, there's a rule of one soul, one body, and you may not know that you're dead, um, you know, but it's time to move you on. But I mean, there's a lot kind of between the beginning and the, and the end of that. I never just go, hey, I'm going to kick you out and hey, here's your stuff, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? And good luck. Uh, but if they, you know, if they haven't passed over, we, you know, we're kind of going to reconcile a lot of things and then bring them into the light. Cause that's ulti- what I have learned so far. That's ultimately, um, the better place for them. There are lots of dimensions in there and, and they'll go into the correct vibration that they need to go to and, and so forth. But if there are other entities, other entities can come from all over different planets, different dimensions. Some of them are really negative and really, I don't like to say the word evil because that's, I think, a judgment, but I'll say extremely negative and controlling and fear-based. Um, and so we have different conversations based on who I encounter. Hmm. Yeah. Wow. I remember like the last time we talked, I had asked you to see if I had any entities attached to me. And, yes. and I think you had mentioned like, you know, it was like my great grandfather was attached to me i remember and, that yes. and, I, and i was like nah man i don't want to get rid of him he's a cool dude right right and that can happen sometimes the client says i'm not ready yet it's like okay you know whatever works for you is what i want for you until you know that's not no longer working for you um i am of the belief that you know i kind of i think when one can stand in their full power and really be able to have one soul and one body and have full dominion over that, if you will, um, then I think that's it's a very powerful place to be. And if you have an ancestor or someone you really are close to, I'm always of the opinion that they can always visit. They can always visit you in your dreams or give you advice. Um, you can do that through meditation or anything like that. Um, you know, so then they can also move on as well and, and do their life path, whatever is important for them. You know, it's a mutually agreed upon experience. Mm -hmm. So long as it's working for everyone, then great. Yeah. I hope so. Uh, although I do have sometimes the unusual outburst of like grouchiness. (laughs) <laughs> that drives my wife. To feel crazy. like yours and not feel like you. <laughs> I have no idea. You know, I, I always know that afterwards every credit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know anyone who doesn't regret a little bit of when they get a little surly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, what is the soul family constellation? So that is, so it's called Family Soul Constellations. And what it is, is um, it's not, there have been some questions previously um, that I've heard. uh, Well, is it like your, your soul family that's kind of traveling together? And it's not that. It is literally the, the lineage that you have in this lifetime. So you have your parents and your siblings and your grandparents and so forth and so on. So it's the direct line of energy in these physical bodies. OK, 
Okay, so if you have your body now, it's your siblings and parents and grandparents. And, and what happens is the experiences that have been experienced in the past, let's say for grandparents level, maybe they had experienced a war, right? There was the Great Depression, um, lots of things in the, in the early 1900s, a lot of change. We've survived a lot and, you know, famines and all these things that what happens is when a person experiences great trauma, great loss, um, great change, if it's big enough and we haven't resolved it within ourselves, you know, um, maybe it's even a very big religious experience such that um, this happened with a client once where it was generations back and the husbands or this man married this woman and she and her family were very important in the community of a certain religion, an ancient religion. And they were kind of the pillars of society. And he says, yes, I will join you in your religion and I will help teach the children and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But he basically lied and he didn't follow through with his promise. And it created a lot of anger and a lot of strife in that family. And that energy and that anger never dissipated. Okay, so even though this woman passed away later, that energy, that unresolved anger got kind of passed down through the generations into the younger generations where someone, um, my client, kind of grabbed onto it and, and, uh, repeated the pattern in her own life hmm. and it was an unworkable attempt to say i love you to belong to say i see it and i'm so sorry for your pain all those sorts of things and so what was amazing though what happened was that i'll rephrase what the family soul constellation does is once we uncover the the root causes of what the stuck energy is in, our, in the client's experience. We uncover the, the ancestors and all the problems. What we do is then we go, well, now that we have everyone gathered here and we'll have basically people standing in as representatives for these people, places or things or root causes of the situation. Then we go, well, now that we have kind of everyone represented Let's offer a re-solution that's more appropriate so we can unstick all that old energy. So if the person lied, well, maybe he should apologize. Maybe he should own up to his, his transgressions. And, you know, and so when we offer a re-solution or re-solutions into this space, which we say is outside of space and time, what literally happens is it creates a ripple effect in current time and you know i've seen where people's chronic pains are gone um their posture might be different like people in like their clients or even relatives who are still living things will shift in the family even if no one has ever known that a constellation took place or even what a family soul constellation is the resolution that is offered and, and, and we see the, the shifting and the love correctly uh, flowing down through the generations when everything is kind of set right. 
and proper and appropriate, then literally the family members, things will shift um, in real space and time. It's amazing. Wow. How do you, how do you identify something like that? How do you identify the root cause? Yeah. Well, um, what we do is we often will, we'll ask a bunch of questions of the client before we do the constellation where we ask kind of the big questions on, um, did anyone, uh, you know, there are about maybe 30 questions, but like, uh, was there anyone in a war? Did anyone, uh, evade a war? Did anyone have a loss of life, like an untimely death? Um, did anyone get really sick, you know, perhaps cancer or, you know, a big illness, any addictions, any, um, loss of life, maybe a miscarriage, um, or a stillbirth or, you know, anything like that, any big traumatic experience or, you know, even uh, a loss of fortune, a loss of a house, a huge rift between family members, that sort of thing. We ask those sorts of questions. And what we've learned is there's, there are patterns that happen and we know where to look for where the root causes are based on what the client's wanting to fix in their life. You know, maybe they have, for example, you know, they're having a tough time having a positive relationship or a close relationship with someone, you know, maybe as a friend or even in, you know, in a sexual nature. Um, or maybe, hey, I just, you know, I want to feel, I, I don't want to feel isolated anymore. Or I keep sabotaging myself and losing a job in the ninth month. Why is that? And so going through all these constellations, we've learned to track patterns and so we know where to look. And so then when we find the proper places to look, then we kind of start to, un it's kind of a detective work. And the representatives often give really interesting information as well. They kind of drop their, their higher thinking and they kind of download information um, that's related to the issue. And uh, it's never incorrect. It's always offers amazing information. It blows my mind every single time. Sometimes you can uncover history with these family soul constellations, which is really cool as well. Wow. Sounds like yeah. a lot of sounds like a lot of research. Well, uh, kind of, of, but it's done in real time. So mm -hmm. it's not like you're going to, you know, through ancestry.com or anything. But you know, um <clears throat> you do uncover quite a bit. Uh and it's it's fascinating and the healing that takes place is really amazing. Because the work that you do in these constellations uh kind of heals, you know three, four generations above and three or four generations below. You know, family patterns run in kind of between three and seven generations. So you're helping not only yourself, but you're really helping your entire family. So it also helps like the future generations as well? Yes, it does. Yes, it does. Because, you're, you know, if you're repeating a pattern, then, um, you know, then the younger generations might want to repeat your pattern because they're trying to help you. And so it's that perpetuating thing that you can actually stop and negate very, very easily. It's very cool. It's very cool stuff. Hmm. But, but it all has to do with people that stem from my family. Now, 
Do you believe also like in soul families that, that we keep reincarnating with the same people over and over again to resolve issues that happened in past lives with those people? Or sometimes it like reverses the situation. If if I hurt somebody in a previous life, then I'm going to come back and they're going to hurt me in this life kind of. Yes, I believe that does happen. I don't believe that's the only reason we travel together. I think we travel together because we love each other and, and so forth. There might be some, you know, dynamics that are happening concurrently that need to be worked out, so to speak, you know, karma, if you will. Um, but I don't think it's necessarily like, I don't believe karma is the, if I burn you, you burn me. And then we're clear. <laughs> but I think there is the, if there is energy that is not resolved, then the people in that dynamic will work to resolve it. <laughs> <laughs> it's just a different way of saying it, but I don't believe like it's a tit for tat and then it's cleared because I think it just, if you're angry and you're going to burn each other back and forth, the energy is just going to keep perpetuating, Right. you know? So it's need to figure out how to make it right, how to apologize, how to make the energy whole and then and then once you really do on all layers through all the dimensions of your experience then it's done and then it's gone i remember one time i was really in some something actually with my husband and i was really upset about something and i but it was my own internal issue and so i worked on it for a day or two and once I finally resolved the issue completely through all layers and dimensions and parts of myself, and then I talked to my husband about it, it literally deleted from my memory. It was the craziest thing. I'd never had that experience before. It was like, you know, when the, t the old TVs would turn off, you know, mm -hmm. and it would have like this flash of light and then you'd have the horizontal line and then it would just fade. It was kind of like that. And I go, Wow. So if you truly clear something out of your experience, there is no reason to experience again. It's like you've mastered that level. It does not need to come back. Wow. That's great. And it's that yeah. fast too. Like, like it, it, that can happen. Just like, does it take like a long time? Like I know like, like for me, um, I mean, I, I've had things, that took me a long time to one realize, and then you know, then it's sometimes even longer to even resolve them. Well, yes, I mean, like, could this be when, used as a shortcut? I gotta say, I use NLP for like almost everything, it's a shortcut because it gives you the proper tools to see the problem clearly. When we can't see the problem clearly, we can't fix it. It's so like if you have a hole in the boat and you don't know where the hole is, you're going to keep sinking, right? Until you hit mud, um, you know, or whatever. But NLP, I wouldn't say necessarily is a shortcut. It's a, it's a master cut through the mountains to the other side. Like why, why have to go five years and go over the Himalayas and, and struggle because someone told you that you should, that you have to struggle, that it has to be hard, and and that it only that you have to wait ten years until you have an aha moment. Mm -hmm. so why? 
to make some guru feel better because, (laughs) right? Well, is it to make your parents feel better because they didn't have the answer or to make some guru so then you need the guru? That's false. And it's a lie. It's an absolute lie. And I'm going to tell you it's an absolute lie from here to the ends of the earth because I have experienced quick transformation with a lot of things. Not to say that I'm never going to have more things to learn and grow from. I don't know if anyone ultimately does, but if you want to get through your problems, why do you have to spend $20,000 in therapy for years and going once a week for an hour? Like that seems kind of slow to me. Don't you want to go to the right mechanic, if you will, like if we're going to do the boat analogy, don't you want to tow the boat, get to the right boat yard? and go fix my boat because <laughs> I want to go sailing. <laughs> right. I want to be out in the water and having fun. And, 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 and why do we have to be in misery? Who said we have to be miserable? I think that's the greatest question. Who said you have to be miserable? I don't why think anybody said But why do we keep ourselves miserable? I don't know. Maybe uh, we're just dumb humans. I think some of the reasons we keep ourselves kind of down, I had it, I was on this other great podcast and I talked a little bit about this and I said, I think why society moves so slowly in a way of, of evolution of thinking is because there are so many ties to, we don't want to make our parents wrong. We don't want to make society wrong because if we get outside of their comfort zone, it challenges the way they're thinking and believing. And if we challenge too much, then we're going to have arguments and we're going to have fights and then people are going to have to leave and there's just going to be a lot of strife. Very rarely can we say, you do you and I'll do me and we're totally good. Hmm. When does that ever happen? Right? We always have neighborhood disputes and all this and you can't have your music too loud and you can't have this and da da da. Right. But if we, so if we change ourselves too much, then what might happen to our place in society? What is our identity at that point? Are we safe and loved and, and, and cared for? Um, you know, what's our relationship with our parents going to be? So those fears I think creep in. And that's why I think a lot of times actually we stop ourselves from having the dreams and getting what we want because we fear it might challenge someone else's experience. Hmm. Interesting. Like, I guess I never really went through that. I mean, I just never really cared what my parents thought. I just went out and did what I wanted. The only thing I was ever afraid of was getting myself killed and it making my parents sad, especially my mom. My dad and I didn't really care if he got sad or not, but if I, I didn't want to see my mom sad if I got care, got got killed or something bad happened to me. But other than that, I, I just did what I wanted to do. You are alive. <laughs> You're going after, after what you want, and it's great. And your parents still love you. You're still having an okay. Well, they're they're, they're they've passed away now, but but actually, yes. I, I mean, actually, um. It was kind of strange because in the end, I was the one that they trusted to take care of them as they got old, and, and I was with both of them when they passed away. So, 
Wow. You know, so yeah, I, I mean, even though I was probably the most rebellious, outrageous, disobedient kid in the world, <laughs> they still trusted me the most out of my me and my family. So amazing! I'm so <laughs> glad you had that experience. Good for you. That's so great. It, it even kind of surprised me that he trusted me. Yeah. Yeah. But, but I guess maybe because you always operated on what was right for you and they know you so well, they're like, we, we know what you're about. You're very, you have a very clear vision. And that for a lot of people, that's very trustworthy. Mm -hmm. That's probably what it was because they, they just knew, you know, I was just going to do what I felt right, felt right for me to do. Right. That's yeah. awesome. <laughs> But I, I, mean, I do see people, though, you know, with you that are not like me, that, that, that do want to, you know, make other people happy and care about what other people think. And, um, and you know, and it's out of love. I know that. They, 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 they want to make other people because either they want to feel love or they want to make the other person feel loved. Yes. And, you know, there are, if anyone has heard of the Enneagram or follows the Enneagram, which is a very ancient kind of personality system, is, and I don't know very much about it, but when I read, when you, you, they ask you the questions, you know, it was some online questionnaire, and I was going, um, and, and I finally read my personality, I go, whoa, that's so me. And, um, and I know many people who have used it as a, a springboard to kind of understand their personality, but there are nine personality types. So when you're feeling, um, so it's, if you have a circle, if you will, and it's almost like a star pattern that, um, if you are say for me, I think it's like a, a nine, which is the mediator. Um, makes sense. I'm a healer, but, you know, I, I, I navigate, I'm kind of the lawyer type that, um, you know, when I'm feeling very confident and so forth, then I, then I will jump to another number and that will be kind of my predominant personality. But if I'm feeling smaller and less sure of myself and, and, um, you know, uh, not confident, then, you know, you jump to another number. So it's really helpful to kind of get in touch with your personality type. And just go, this is how I operate. I don't need to get approval from anyone. This is how I operate. And this is how I'm, you know, I am learning and growing. And of course, maybe I could get better in these areas. But I think what's really important for people to do is as a starting point is to give themselves a break and just go, here I am I'm doing the best I can. This is what I know about myself, and this is how I kind of operate. You know, I like to sleep in, and or I like to get up early, you know, et cetera, et cetera. That as a starting point to understand yourself and acknowledge who you are and how you came to be where you are is a really good first step. And like to just not judge yourself. Mm -hmm. Like, don't judge yourself. You've gotten to where you are. Yes, things could maybe improve, but you know, life isn't that bad or if it is well then let's tweak it a little bit and but it can be tweaked it definitely can such that you're not sabotaging yourself anymore and keeping keep putting yourself in certain situations that are just not no longer working for you right you know right sometimes the pain just gets great enough too and that's when people are ready to change 
yeah, sometimes it just has to be bad enough where you go, oh, I thought I could tweak this half rule. And you go, no, you just have to shift your whole paradigm. And yeah, sometimes it needs to be a big enough, you know, two by four to the side of the head for you to go, <laughs> I guess that's not working. Great. <laughs> <laughs> right. hmm. um, so thank you for taking the time to be on again. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. Anytime. It's been a pleasure. And before we wrap it up, where can my listeners find you? And do you have any free promos? Let's see. Let me tell you about that. So I have a beautiful website that you talked about earlier. It's called livingyourawesome.com that has information about podcasts and I have articles and lots of good information to research there. Uh, and I am uh, right now really working with my clients on a four client uh, package because I have learned that just one session is not enough to really get a good hold on shifts that you really want to take. So I have a four sessions package. First one is free and we have a free 30 minute consultation that you can sign up for. Um, and so you can choose your date and time and we will have a 30 minute consultation. And that's where you can really ask your questions on here's where I'm stuck. How can you help me? How do you work, etc.? And any other questions you have. Um, and so there is livingyourawesome.com. And uh, I also wrote a book, which is called Becoming Ridiculously Awesome. Who doesn't want that? You can get a copy on my website where I will sign it and send it to you the next day. Really? There's always Amazon. Yes. I, somebody can get an autographed copy of your book? Absolutely. And I will in, you know, write a beautiful <laughs> message for you, whether it is something you uh, want me to write for you, or you know, I, I will I know somehow a, download and put it down myself. I know a podcaster who collects autographed books from his guests. Oh, very good. Yes. Yes. Yeah. You may want to keep this I guy in mind. I think so. <laughs> wink, wink. Nudge, nudge. All right. You got it. You got it. But uh, yes, yeah, so that's how I operate. And I'm, I'm really here to help people navigate what stops them and, you know, don't have to be stuck forever and everything else. But go to my website, listen to podcasts, listen to Gary. You are amazing. And um, yeah, I hope to uh, listen to you guys and have have uh, some more clients come in because there's great transformation to happen. Well, after this show, I'm sure they'll be pouring in by the thousands. I hope so. I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks It'd for being amazing <laughs> manifesting right now. <laughs> exactly. Well, thank you for being on, and hang on for one moment while I play my outro. Thank you for listening to Everything Imaginable on KGRA Radio. You can reach Gary at everythingimaginable2020.com or email him at everythingimaginable2020 at gmail.com. He's also on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram and LinkedIn. You can buy t-shirts, coffee mugs and other merchandise to support the costs of producing this podcast. Click on the merchandise link at the top of his page www.everythingimaginable2020.com Oh yes, I almost forgot. You can buy his book, Enlightenment Guaranteed. It's the only book on Zen that you'll ever need, and it's on Amazon. It'll change your life. 
because remember, everything that exists was first imagined. Hey, if you loved what you listened to, don't forget, rate, review and subscribe.